What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This is my baby. And these two were just along riding my carpet, my carpet tail. Kevin Sherrington. I did not choose the dance life. It chose me. Barry Horn. You know what my intention is? When's the last time that anybody has ever asked you a question? No one's ever asked me a question. I'm married. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Balls. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we're going to talk about the Cowboys. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Good morning and welcome everybody into another, as Kevin Sherrington would say, if he was here, scintillating edition of the Ballsy Podcast. Evan, do you have anything to say? Oh, you're not here. Kevin, you're not here. But fear not, everyone. We have David Moore here. I've made a two-for-one trade that will make Jerry Jones jealous. Kevin Sherrington and Evan Grant are in Surprise, Arizona, and we have with us David Moore, who's down here from Frisco. Dave, oh, a standing ovation. How are you, David? Clearly canned. Good, good. I assume Kevin and Evan are are sleeping at the moment in surprise. They never sleep. It's a 24-hour. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that. It's a 24-hour news cycle. You've been on the road. You've been in training camp in California. You know how to deal with time differences. You're always up, and I'm sure they're working hard this morning. Yeah, I'm sure of that. Anyway, I want to know, should I start panicking about the Cowboys now? They haven't done a darn thing while it seems other teams are moving and grooving in free agency. You can tell you're old school. I think many other people say they haven't done a damn thing. Can we say that on this podcast? I think we can. Okay. Um, I certainly understand the consternation among Cowboys nations. Uh, And again, getting up this morning before, before most people even drove into work, uh, receiver Sammy Watkins, uh, a receiver they had some interest in. And I think that's, uh, they, they certainly, they they kicked the tires on him. Now, once he got up to the three years, $48 million range, it was like, well, no, we're not going to pay that much for a guy who has been much less productive than Des Bryant. Uh, but, <laughs> but when he, he goes, Allen Robinson, uh, he's going to go, a guy coming off a major injury. Uh, he goes as well. And those are really the only receivers I think they would have had much interest in as far as okay, if we don't proceed with this, you know, what do we do here? Uh, But then uh, Andrew Norwell, who I don't think many people have heard of, but he's a guard for Carolina, who signs a five-year, $66.5 million deal with Jacksonville. And and that is important because? Which means Zach Martin will, that is now the baseline for what Zach Martin is going to get, as everyone acknowledges Zach Martin is the best guard in the game. This guard just got an average of $13 million a year with $30 million guaranteed. So you have a pretty good idea that uh, what the Cowboys wanted to pay Zach Martin just went up. And they lost Anthony Hitchens. Uh, he's going to sign with Kansas City for a deal that averages about $9 million a year, which is comparable to what, uh, actually a little bit more than what Barry Church got to go to Jacksonville last year. So all of a sudden... You're definitely out on your linebacker, who you had a pretty good idea you weren't going to be able to keep. Uh, The price of keeping Zach Martin went up, and you're really not going to be able to get a lead receiver in free agency 
to give you any more leverage with Des Bryant as far as cutting his contract. So a lot of action before most people even got into work this morning. And now the Cowboys were working, but but fans will say we couldn't tell based on what has not happened so far. And and look, I, and, I, and there were trades. There's been trades sure. that I think have uh, helped teams in the NFC East. No question. Would, and no question. How did this Cowboys get into such salary cap hell? Well, they dug into it by overpaying in free agency all those years for a lot of guys. And, and again, this is interesting because really. Um, you go back, the last year they really spent in free agency was 2012, and that's when they gave Brandon Carr the five-year $50 million deal. And they said, you know, no way he's worth it. You overpaid. You didn't get worth, you know, you didn't get your return on investment. And all of that may be true, but Brandon Carr started and was a very solid player for this team for the length of his contract. You go since then, Dallas has really taken a different approach in free agency, they have signed 17 players since 2013. So in free agency this period, uh, five years ago until now, they have signed 17 players in free agency. Barry, how many players remain on this roster at this moment? Let me guess. Zero? You're correct. Thank you. When, when it comes to knowing about nothing, I know <laughs> I know a lot. When Benson Mayoa um, was released last week as far as a cap move— he was the only free agent they had signed in the last five years. So it tells you their approach has, has changed. They, they are not big players in the first few days of free agency. They pick at the B-level and often C-level free agents just for as, as far as insurance purposes to fill spots. So, look, I, I know a lot of fans out there are going, oh, my gosh, we're losing – but, but very rarely do teams win this period and then win the Super Bowl. Uh, people get excited about this, but the most cost-efficient way is still to build through the draft and retain your own players. And part of the reason they're not going all in on free agency now is because they want to re-sign Zach Martin. Next year, uh, they're going to re, you know want to sign Dak Prescott to an extension. And then the year after that, you have Ezekiel Elliott they're going to want to do something with. So their, their priority has been to keep their key players in place and supplement their roster with the draft. They've gotten better at that, but because of that, they do nothing in free agency. So they have got to hit on more than one, two, and three in the draft, their picks. They've oh, got yeah. to. Yeah, yeah, this year. Yeah, no question. And, and, and they, have to, they have to hope that Jalen Smith uh, – Chitabaya Wuzia, uh, Jordan Lewis, the guys they took last year and the year before show dramatic improvement, and, and their arc of, of uh, success is going much higher and, and at a much more rapid rate. And, and, and Taco Charlton, another guy. So, I mean, they, they feel they've drafted well in recent years, and the, the stats bear that out. But these guys still need to improve and get better. So here's the million-dollar question, the question that our headline writers will, will put on the, on the Internet based on, on your answer. Des Bryant, will he be here or not? I still believe he's going to have to agree to take a pay cut in order to be here. Um, That's, that, that wasn't my question. Yes, I understand. If they can structure it in a way where – Richard Sherman's an example. Richard Sherman took a little bit less money uh, to go to San Francisco than what he was going to get in Seattle once they released him in base salary, 
but it was built in. If you make the Pro Bowl, if you hit these incentives, you're going to be back at or over what you were going to do in Seattle. If if the Cowboys structure that sort of deal with Des Bryant, uh, I believe he'll still be here. So I, I've thought all along that I, I think I think he'll be here now, but I, I don't think they will be able to trim as much from their from his salary as they would like. Um, but I believe they'll probably compromise on that because again, for for all we've said in the past too. You take him off of this team, he is your best receiver. You don't have anyone else close to being a lead receiver on this team. Now you're not going to supplement it in free agency. You have to do it in the draft, and you're not going to get it in the draft where you're drafting uh, to, Calvin, to step in from day one. You're thinking Calvin Ridley will not be there, and would he be Oh, no, I, I think he could be there. Yeah, him, him or the receiver, uh, Moore, uh, the receiver, I think is also the Maryland is also a pretty good option there. Um, I think there's a good chance they'll take one of those guys in the first round. Uh, but selecting him with the understanding that either one of those players is not ready to step in from day one and be your lead receiver. So they would they wouldn't be wearing the number eighty eight next season. <laughs> no, I don't I don't envision that. You know, the, an- another uh, headline that that's swirling around is uh, Jason Witten. There, mm-hmm. there there's some talk, and I can't find anybody who who will say it's going to happen that Jason Witten is interested or Fox let's let's put it this way but no one who will completely dismiss it either Fox, it's kind of existing in that netherworld and, 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 and well the news is that Fox might be interested in Jason Witten for the Thursday night mm-hmm. uh gig now that Fox has Thursday night football and and they're making a play for him um if if Jason doesn't go this year they're going to hire somebody else there's an opening at ESPN once once the no, nobody's going to sign a one year deal uh sure with with uh, another a broadcast, another analyst, so we're we're at the point where, do you have any sense of you you talk to Jason a lot? Do you have any sense of of what he wants to do? I would be surprised. Can't completely rule it out. I would be surprised if he left this year to go into the booth. Um, I I think when he looks at what he would like to do going forward. Um, I think that's in the mix, but I think that's toward that's third or fourth in the mix. You know, I, I think he, I think he wants to stay involved in football. I, I can see him being a coach. Um, I think that's something he's given a lot of thought to. I know it's something he's given a but lot of thought is, to. Is he, he's a great family man. If, mm-hmm. if you're working in a booth, you'll have a lot well, more time exactly. to be with your family. And that's what Tony then. will tell him. And that was, and and that's something else to consider as well. Whereas, you know what? Uh, maybe I do this for two or three years when my kids are this age, and then I look at going, you know, exploring my options from there. Or maybe I do this and I find, you know what, it fits my lifestyle. It gives me back family time that football took away for a large portion of the year. So let's do that. So I, I think it's a, it my my belief is it's a a decision or. Um, yeah, I guess it would be a decision if it's actually going to be there. But but it's something he's thinking about now that he doesn't didn't necessarily envision he'd be thinking about in March of two thousand and. Where would that leave the Cowboys? It would leave them needing to take a tight end in the first two days of the draft. In my mind, yeah. uh, there's no one um, for, for what they ask of him to do. There's no one on the roster that can step in and do that. Um, I, you know, I, I thought they needed to address it in in the draft this year because this is a pretty good tight end draft. 
Uh, don't know that they need to do it in the first round, but I think certainly uh, by the third round. And remember, Jason Witten was a third-round pick as well. Yeah, but but it, it's like, okay, it, it, I think it would throw the Cowboys into a, a mess if, if uh, oh, yeah. if Witten leaves. Yeah, because, Witten leaves now. because he's their primary. I mean, he's the um, – he's the – He's the linchpin on a lot of the – he's not the – you know, this offense isn't explosive, but as far as moving the chains, as far as your insurance blanket, he's been the uh, insurance blanket for two quarterbacks here. He's been really been it for a lot of quarterbacks here. Uh, his numbers went down last year, but uh, there were – but I'll point out they didn't go down as much as Cole Beasley, who's a much younger player. Right. Uh, didn't really go down like Dez's numbers have gone down proportionally. So he's still an effective player. What, what about the issue of him being a locker room leader? I never quite understand what a locker room leader is. What is a locker room leader at the star? Well, guys do gravitate around him. You know, um, when DeMarco Murray had his best year, he went out and he and he still credits Jason Witten for showing him how to work in the offseason and improve and maximize his talent level. Uh, Jason Witten is a guy who, just from what he does in the weight room, what he does on the field, not a vocal guy, not a get-in-your-face, look, this is what you're going to do. Right, right. Uh, he really does. He, he develops relationships with guys and leads by example. You know, Ezekiel Elliott's the same way. Uh, I don't know that you can get much different temperamentally from Ezekiel Elliott to Jason Witten. And Ezekiel Elliott loves being around Jason Witten, just watching how he works, picking up uh, things, what he does in practice, how he, you know, uh, how he competes in practice, how he looks for things in practice and passes it along. Uh, but, but, but mainly it, it, it is his workout routine. And he, he helps guys a lot saying, look, this is what I did when I was younger. As I started getting older, this is what I needed to do, and this helped me to, to stay at this level. And he still plays at such a high enough level and competes enough where he has the respect in the locker room, and, and they listen to him and follow him. But, but it is more how you go about your business. Um, it, it's about how you're professional, how you can maximize your time in this league by taking care of your body and your approach uh, more so than – that, you know, Jason Witten saying this is what you will do. He's, I wouldn't call him an emotional leader in right. the locker room by any means. Um, not to say he doesn't have emotional moments, moments of emotional leadership, but it is much more this is how you go about your business. Uh, this is how you interact with teammates. Um, look, and, you know, let's just go do it. And, and that's what it is. And, and you know, look – you know, it's interesting because Martellus Bennett will tell you he, ne- you know, Jason Witten never gave him great tips as far as improving. Now, but Martellus Bennett didn't actually go to him and ask a lot, and 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 Jason's very competitive too. I, I think in some ways he's probably a better teammate with all non-tight ends on the roster than he is tight ends because does he view them as a threat? Such, n- not a threat per se, but I think there's certainly a okay, they keep bringing guys in here, and all these guys are going to do is take time away from me. I'm not going to let them take time away from me. And so I I guess a a threat to his, not his overall status, but a threat to uh, how often he's on the field. So he takes that as a... Did he sabotage Gavin Escobar? (laughs) No. 
Okay, that, that, that's that's all I that's all I wanted. That's all I, I wanted. knew that's where this was going. No, no, no. But you know, Martellus Bennett was cut, right? He was cut by the Patriots, I believe. Yes. So, if could he come back? No, not here. No, it, not well, wouldn't be welcome here. Uh, for for what he said, and I don't know how happy he would be here. Um, you know, w- when something when that was together for a while. And it didn't work. And then you go somewhere else and have success in other spots you never had here. I don't know why you would want to come back here and be in the shadow of Jason Witten again. Well, if, and if, he if, would be. if Witten, but if Witten left, I'm, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't completely rule that out. Witten in the booth. What kind of? I I don't see it. I, I talked to a lot of people about this uh, in the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. I don't see it. They try to make. Uh, they try to convince me that he would be a solid broadcaster. But one guy who I respect a lot, who I, I'm not going to mention right now, said it's really it's really a gamble. And it, and if the network and if he fails, so what? And they they pointed out. He asked me well, who did Joe Montana work for, and I think it was NBC. Mm-hmm. But but his point was that. The network would just dispose of him and move and move on very quickly, uh, very yeah. quickly, and and move on. So, I don't know. Uh, he he doesn't see. He, I, well, didn't I, didn't one of the networks hire the preeminent tight end of his generation a year or two ago and move on from him? Uh, yes, uh, we talked about Tony Gonzalez, yes. but Tony Gonzalez has found a home, and I predict yeah. he's found a home now at Fox. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's left CBS. I, I think I think Fox has a lot big things in in store for him. For yeah, I, I, I don't know. In fact, now that you mention it, why not move him out of the studio into uh, into, in, into about the that. booth? Yeah, it's a great question. You should have my job. <laughs> but we we talked about Martellus Bennett. I want to ask you about Michael Bennett. Michael Bennett has yeah. relocated, mm-hmm. and he's reclaimed. I believe the world champion. Yeah, Philadelphia I, I, Eagles for seventh round pick. Didn't the Cowboys have a seventh round pick they could have given up for him? And could have used him, perhaps? Sure, they had the pick. Did they have the salary cap room oh, to make that, to that happen? And and you just you put your franchise tag of $17.3 million on Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, you let Benson Mayo go to pick up $2.75 million. So then you're going to turn around and spend that two point seven five to pour it into uh, Michael Bennett, or are you going to say, you know what, what we saw with, with bringing Lawrence back, uh, from what we saw with Tyrone Crawford, uh, from what we saw from Taco Charlton coming on at the end of the season, um, you know, if we bring Bennett in here, are we stopping the progress that we saw Taco Charlton start to make at the end of last year? Was it microscopic progress, or was it? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. But but let me yeah. ask you this: we have we haven't mentioned mm-hmm. David Irving. Where, yes. where, where is he going to fit in in all this? Oh, I, I, they will uh, later today or tomorrow. They will put either the first or second round tender on him, which, which means which gives them it'll either be I think the tenders this year four point one million if it's a first round tender and two point nine three if it's a second round. What's the difference? Which means well, uh, either one means gives Dallas control of him in free agency, and it gives Dallas the right. A first refusal or the right to match any offer that Irving may receive. So why, why wouldn't they automatically offer the the lower figure? Well, because uh, teams could. Because then, if you lose them, you get a second round pick. If you you know if you put a first round pick on them, most teams aren't going to be willing to give up a first round pick and pay 
the contract and structure the contract in a way that would get him a little more likely to do on the second round. But um, I think they're probably going to go with the second round with him, tender, unless they look out in this free agent market and go, Wow, some of these teams are throwing around crazy money. Cleveland still it's has always, so much it, money. It's always crazy it always money, happens. though. It, it happens sure. every every time. It's like, sure. you, you know, you you plan, you budget for X, and it's always X 2X or 3X. Yeah. It, it, it seems to happen all, all the time. And see, the, the danger of a second-round pick, second-round tender is, which is only 2-9, then, you know, another team could go, look, we'll just pour all of – Irving's money into like this first year and make the cap hit exorbitant in the first year and they would have to clear out two or three other guys just to get him in there they're not going to do that they're going to take the second round pick so let's do it you know so um Irving is going to be really interesting though because he's not temperamentally he's not your in the trenches uh hard-nosed defensive lineman uh, he's outstanding. He's very productive over the last two years in the amount he's played. When he's played. But again, you go back to last year, he missed the first four games because of a suspension. He missed the final four games because of a concussion. Was wildly productive in those eight games. But he hasn't been able to put together an entire season, whether it's because of a suspension, because of injury, or because he's just been a bit player and been erratic. So you'd be willing, but you'd be willing to gamble on a 16-game season from him. Oh yeah, yeah, I would. I, I think you've seen enough there because the, the upside is so great. Uh, and he, he look, he's one of the more productive defensive tackles in the league over the last two years in number of snaps played. Now. But you also get to some players are productive in fewer snaps, and the more you play them, the more they get exposed. But I will say they played Irving more last year than they ever had, and he wasn't exposed. The, the problem was it came in an eight-game sample size versus a 16-game sample size. By the way, you know, I, in talking with someone yesterday about Tony Romo, and, the, and he, he, him as a broadcaster, uh, this very professional broadcaster predicted a sophomore slump for Romo as a broadcaster. He says it's it's just natural. It's the same as being a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Cowboys had a sophomore slump, I'd say, from their quarterback. What do you expect back from uh, Dak this in his third season? Oh, Dak. Oh, I thought you were going to talk to me about Tony. No, Romo. no, I'm an expert on that. But, you uh, can ask me. But no, I agree because again, I think quickly on Romo, the expectations were so low right. on what he could do, and he he was so good early that. People are going to readjust how they look at him in year two, right? And the they'll expect more and the bits and the things he did. That, yeah, they will expect. By the way, he different. cut out a lot of the bits I, as, it, as the season went along. He certainly did. Yeah, and uh, which was smart in my mind. I mean, you have something early, you know, that no one else does. If you want to call it a parlor trick or whatever, it was very successful. But you can't sustain that, and you also want to grow as a broadcast. So I mean, he he he's very analytical and methodical about how he goes about things, and I, and I think that was the case. So I, I know he's he's looking at what he is going to do in a second year and how he he can certainly expect more criticism in year two than he received in year one, uh, because you even started to hear it toward the end of the season too. It's like, well, he's been better than I thought, but but yeah. he does this, and and that's just natural. Uh, but but going back to Dak Prescott, but he's, let me ask you this: Is sure. he the kind of guy who who thrives on that? When people yes. say, "Yeah, yeah," and, and I think he's, 
I think he's already spent a lot of time anticipating what people are going to say and what he doesn't do well and working on, you know, saying, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to hit him with this next year. Or, you know what, um, I'm going to do this and incorporate this as far as how I call games this year. I, I, there's no doubt in my mind he has sat down, he has sat down, mapped it out, uh, how he wants to approach it and uh, discussed it with Jim Nance and, and others at the network to say, hey, this is what I'm thinking of doing. I want to go, I want to do this. How do we What's the best way to go about that? Does that make sense? Um, again, very analytical, very conscientious about all of this. So I, I know he's looking ahead, anticipating already what the criticism is going to be because he wants to answer it before it becomes full-fledged. Uh, but as far as Dak Prescott, um, I didn't, you know, look, the, the numbers were certainly down Um the team did him no favors in that Atlanta game going forward. And I really think you saw a different Dak Prescott after the Atlanta game, uh, after the, what, nine sacks in that game, uh, having no chance to execute the game plan whatsoever, giving him no help, uh, not getting him out on the other edge or, or moving him around. Um, I think you saw, uh, certainly for several weeks after that, you saw a different Dak Prescott who – uh, wasn't as confident in his reads because he didn't think he could stay back there as long, was was anticipating a hit that was going to come that, that he didn't have to play with for the first year and a half of his career. Um, but, but I think he worked through that as it went along. Um, I actually, I, I thought I saw a lot of good things from Dak Prescott as, as the season ended with a, a very compromised offense. I, I thought he was still competitive. Uh, he still put them in position to win games. He didn't give games away. Um, and look, for as disappointing as last year was, they were 9-7, and seven, and it's, it's the first time under Jason Garrett they've had back-to-back winning seasons. But uh, let me just point out, when you go— You won, yeah. Yeah. Sure, so. no question. And you dropped from 13. And, and you won that final game 6-0 against a Philadelphia team that didn't play anybody. And, and you still only won at six zero. Six zero, yeah. yeah. That that was quite a, quite a game. But but no, I I would I would anticipate uh, Dak Prescott would be much closer to what he was uh, as a rookie than what he was last will, will year. Will the new quarterback coach help? Well, you know we've talked about this before. Um, everyone always wanted to talk about everyone else in the room and how much Tony was helping Dak Prescott and and uh, you know the other guys in there and and Dak had always been pretty strong that that the guy who uh, in a lot of ways gave him the most guidance and and he used as a sounding board most was Kellen Moore and uh, and I know everyone on the outside is very skeptical of this and go please you couldn't find someone better but all I know is people who deal with Kellen Moore swear by the guy about how smart he is the nuances he helps guys pick up uh, he's known as the, rush he's, too. He's known, rush as the too. he's known as the Barry Horn of of the Cowboys. <laughs> I, I have not him. heard that actually. Now that, uh, now you, that you, you bring it you up, sh- you should open your ears because that's what <laughs> that's what I've heard pe- people are saying. But you know, it's funny because if if the Patriots did this, if Bill Belichick did this, he'd be a genius. Yeah, but you would trust that. Okay, well, Belichick's seen something in this guy, and and who am I to argue with Belichick? Garrett does it, and he goes. Okay, this guy hadn't won anything. Right. Why are we trusting him? Why are they doing this? They need someone else. And again, overlooking the fact that Jason Garrett was a backup quarterback in this league. And, you know, Jason Garrett 
feels he has a pretty strong relationship with Dak Prescott and can help him with a lot he has to face. And so when you say, well, why don't you have a a better uh, veteran teacher at the quarterback position, I believe Jason Garrett feels, you have me. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've been through this. Yeah, he spends a lot of time with Dak. Now, but again, he trusts, you know, Kellen Moore is going to spend more time, obviously. But, uh, and, and, and it's not, it doesn't go back to how much, um, look, everyone's saying this, you know, Philadelphia has a Super Bowl winning coach who was a backup quarterback in the league for a long yeah. time. And Doug Peter, I mean, it's in, every, it's in every sport. I mean, some of the best coaches, usually the best coaches, were never star players in their sports. They had to uh, understand the nuance, understand how everything works together, and they had to analyze the game and, and take it in from an intellectual standpoint because physically they weren't gifted enough to excel to the level uh, that they needed to excel in order to have a job. So I, I think Kellen Moore is going to be very good. I don't, I don't think he's going to be an issue. So I've, I've just about exhausted all my questions for you. I'm sure you have 100 questions for me. Go. Such as, uh, how often do you come in the office? Uh, I'm here today. You are here today. And so are you. Every and, Tuesday. And, and, yes. and this has been a, a, a concise, uh, stimulated, stimulating <laughs> uh, podcast, something we haven't had in a, in a long time. Um, I'm not saying it's because Evan and Kevin aren't here. But you can draw your own conclusions. Draw your own conclusions. And it's much like it's much like listening to Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones. You can read between the lines. Wow! So, and you're how, how do you become expert at that? By the way, do you, do you did you have to go to school for reading between the lines, or does it just come with being out? Some of it's intuition, and it's just a, a, Jason a corporate, Garrett too, right? corporate. Yeah, yeah, no question. Yeah, it, it's a corporate, you know, corporate knowledge. It, it's uh, institutional knowledge over time, and and some intuition. You can tell when. I can tell because I've been around them so much, and, and when they start to say things or when they start to go in a certain direction, whether that is the direction they really mean or if that's a misdirection. How did you get to be the Helen Thomas of the, of the press corps? <laughs> Jason Garrett no starts every news conference going to you, right? You're always the first question. Just like Helen Thomas, just you've been but there she and you're old. old. She you've was, been there and you're old. She was old. Those are the two key requirements. The, the great UPI uh, reporter, Helen Thomas. Yes. But, okay, so you have no questions for me. I, I You didn't do your homework. I get, I sent you a list of questions to try and make me look smart. You, you've obviously uh, d- disposed of them, had oh, no, I'm, no I'm, time sorry, for yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, you did send me one. So, so who do you think that the Cowboys' key free agent acquisition will be in the coming two weeks? Uh, I, I I'd rather keep that to myself. <laughs> okay. So well, I, 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 consumer. I, I, well, I don't. Th- I don't think there is one free agent that they're going to go after that is going to be uh, a difference maker at, at this point. If they don't want to spend, you know, what this reminds me of. This reminds me of the Rangers. You know, the mm-hmm. Rangers sat, sat sat on the sideline and they're picking up, for lack of a better word, scraps, hoping to strike gold. And this is what. And this is what this reminds me of. I think you know we're in, we're in, we're in an era where the Mavericks are. Are yep. faltering, and and I think we might have Chuck Cooperstein on talk a little bit about the Mavericks and college mm-hmm. basketball in another podcast later today. Uh, if if they get done with their shoot around on time, um, you know the stars, the stars are good, but they're in the, they're a middle middle of the pack team. 
And the, some people anticipated they would be a little bit better than what they are. Yeah, now. Not, not knocking. I mean, they're still they're very competitive, and they can they can win a. But but it's but every, two, everything, but, everything's yeah. up for grabs in the NHL. Sure. In, yeah. in the Western Conference. Yeah. And you know, the, the, I'm not looking forward to the to the uh, Rangers season. The Cowboys basically have the most give give us the most optimism we have out here, and I think that's sad for Dallas Fort Worth right now. Well, yeah, and, and because it a lot of it is referring back this has been a an every other year team under Jason Garrett. Now the good news is this is the other year which should be a we good hope. one. Yeah, I mean you would they had you know, a winning record last year, maybe this will be the the year they have the losing record. Well, that could be, but but it was a big drop last year not it, but it's like, you know, postseason 12 and 4, go back down to 4 and 12, go up to 13 and 3, go down to 9 and 7. So I mean this this is the up year based on their their pattern, but um, what was their record in, in in their division last year? They only lost one game in the division. Oh, last they were better. Well, again, yeah, they were better in the division last year. So my question: They were is, five and one in the division. You expect the Giants to be better this year with uh, yes. with, with the Ogletree uh, signing uh, the linebacker they signed. Well, they still have a lot of offensive questions Olivia, in my mind. But uh, they have new coach, and they have new coach, new coach. Yeah, but but they have and and you have the Beckham issue that just came up. Whatever that is, we'll we'll see how. Well, we should know here. And both teams work through that. Yeah, they, they they have so many offensive questions, and in Washington, um, I don't know that Washington's any better with what they did. I, I think they're actually working. You, know, you don't like I, Alex? I, Smith? I still think it's Dallas and, and Philadelphia. I, I like Alex Smith, but I don't I don't see where he appreciably makes that team better. Uh, I thought Kirk Cousins was pretty good for what they did, and and you know now now they're really hurting at receiver too. They don't have a lot of offensive firepower either. Uh, I liked Alice Smith in Kansas City when he had a lot of offensive firepower. Uh, I don't know that he has any of that in Washington. So I look, I, I really think it's Dallas and Philadelphia again. I think no matter how the rest of this offseason plays out, I think it's Dallas and Philadelphia again for the division. Wouldn't it be delicious? I like that word. That wouldn't it be delicious if the Cowboys cut Dez? Could he wind up in Washington, and the Cowboys would have to face him twice a year? Oh, sure. Would that would that be what even better if Philadelphia took him? Would, would that like be that? would that be great drama if Dez wound up? What if Philadelphia took him in the division? Does it, does anybody ever pose that? That that would be incredible. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Have him go against uh, who would he go? Who who would the, how would the Cowboys defend him? They 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 probably know that would. You'd think would know how to defend him. As, put Chitabe on him, yeah. All over the field, they'd just yell at him. They yell at, him. <laughs> distract him. They, they wouldn't let him catch a ball early, and then see how he plays the rest of the way. Uh, and get the but, t- get the TV cameras, get get the yeah. TV cameras to focus on him, and to get people to speculate about time. him. Yeah. That'd be great. David, this has been perhaps my favorite podcast of the last several years. You're so disingenuous. I don't know. I, I like it. I like it. But you are very disingenuous. No, this 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 has been this terrific. is Matt Mosley level disingenuous. Can we I, mention his name? Yeah, you can mention his. He's he's a contributor, I believe, at the Dallas. I Dallas, believe he is. Dallas Morning News, and I'm Baylor grad, Matt Mosley. By the way, in case mm-hmm. you didn't, in case people didn't know that, NIT grad. NIT. <laughs> wow. They got. I, I. We could discuss this later, but I think Oklahoma State and Baylor kind of got the shaft. Think so? Yeah, and and I think there were reasons for that. But we'll, we'll discuss and Oklahoma the way they finished getting in the tournament. Well, they have they they have a marquee player who they people do. might tune in to, to see Man. Trey Young. 
But I don't, I, I, I don't know. What do I know about these things? I, I used to cover college basketball, and I knew everybody. But ne- the game has changed so much. We did. We were back in the five slamma jamma day. Hey, you know, I had a piece in the paper the other day, and I called him um, Marvin Bagwell. Uh, I think I said North Carolina. Is that the, the, and, oh, dear. <laughs> and, I, and I think, did I hear from a lot of people of that, including our supreme leader and editor, Gary Level? Yes. yes. <laughs> so, of course, he's a dookie, and I should have known that, but, you know. Um, oh, here's good news. I just, I, we have to go. I just have a text here from Chuck Cooperstein who says, call me now. Oh, that is good news. I thought you were going to say it was from Kevin or Evan. No, and then no. You could have so, ignored that one. So, for David Moore, I'm Barry Horn, signing off from the best cowboy ballsy podcast of the year, maybe ever. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you.